Welcome! My name is Lee Hopkins, my pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a skill-building podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. In each episode, we explore topics that inspire confidence, direction, and resilience. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Disingenuousness and fakeness. Both of those two right off the top have negative connotations attached to them. That's exactly why I want to talk about them. They're useful in some way. They exist for a reason that's not all bad. I want to talk about the purpose that each of them serve, the effects that they have on you and the people around you, and we're going to replace those tools of of being disingenuous and fake with something that empowers you a little more. Are you ready? Let's go. Being disingenuous means that you cannot be genuine about your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas, your personality, or any aspect of your personality to people that you might perceive as dangerous, people that may hurt you in some way, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You close yourself up. Basically, you're not honest. Both disingenuousness and fakeness originate from the same place. Fear. If you're employing these techniques, chances are you're very afraid that people are going to react to who you are. When you're fake or disingenuous, you are trying really hard to avoid the judgment of other people. You're not able to be open and vulnerable and to make a real true connection with people. I know because I've been disingenuous for most of my life. And once you get a habit like that ingrained in you, it's pretty difficult to break it or change it. When you're disingenuous, you have a sense of who you are. You know a little bit about yourself. You know what you like and what you don't like, but you keep that stuff private. You don't share that stuff with people who don't feel the same way you do about it because it's an instant conflict. You have feelings that come up about how they might react to what you say. So you guard yourself against what you think might happen by going with the flow or keeping it secret. And this makes sense, right? If you thought you were gonna get punched in the face, you wouldn't just stick your chin out there, right? Being disingenuous serves a purpose here. Growing up, the kids in the neighborhood called me an Oreo. If you're not familiar with that, an Oreo is a black person who's white inside. And they called me an Oreo because if there were a list of 10 things that black people need to do to be considered quote unquote black, I maybe did two or three of those things. And one of the big things that made me stick out like a sore thumb was the language. What I'm talking, when I'm talking, I'm not using slang. I wasn't using slang like many of the neighborhood kids because I just did what I was taught in school. So I ended up not spending too much time with the neighborhood kids. I spent time with the people who spoke like I did, which means that there were more white people in my life than there were black people. And I went to a predominantly white high school as well. So it made sense that that would happen. And 
I'll never forget. I went to my friend's house one day. It was the summer and we were going to play video games. And I've been to their house many times before and I've said slang words here and there. When we're playing, it's cool. It's fun, right? I'll never forget. My friend repeated one of the words that I said. And then their mom turned around and said, hey, talking to their kid, you talk white. What? What did that mean? What does that mean to talk white? What does that mean to talk black? Why is, I can't see my language. It shouldn't be colored. At that point, I was young and I was even more confused about where I stood in the world. And I was also more convinced that the more of me, the genuine me that I start showing the people, the worse I'm going to get shut down. Every time I open my mouth to reveal anything about myself, somebody's going to tell me it's garbage and I should stop talking about it. So I did. I tucked in my chin and I put my guard up. Okay, now let's talk about fakeness. Fakeness is a lot like being disingenuous in the sense that it's rooted in fear and you're hiding from something. You are just mimicking what other people are doing around you. One fundamental difference about being fake versus disingenuous is that when you're fake, you really don't have an identity of your own. You're mimicking everyone around you so much that you have no idea what you do what you enjoy, what you love. The best example that I have for you right now is the 1950s housewife, or the, the housewives of way back when. That's when a man and a woman got married and the woman lost her identity completely in the relationship. They became Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Fake people are like disingenuous people in the sense that they're hiding. We're both hiding from the emotions and the reactions and the dislike and the hurt from other people. The fakeness keeps you from knowing who you are and what you want in life. Fake people don't know what their hobbies are. They don't know what they dislike. They don't know what the future holds for them. They mimic what's happening in their space. They will absorb any idea or any concept that comes towards them just so they can fit in with the crowd. Again, if you perceive your world as being dangerous, you are going to want to blend in. Right now, I'd like to take the opportunity to acknowledge that sometimes being disingenuous and fake are exactly what you need to survive situations. There are some people out there who are not physically, mentally, emotionally, or financially safe. In order to make it through the day, they have to perform. So if that is you, what I'm talking about here won't apply to you until you're safe. But once you get yourself free financially, emotionally, and physically, once you are safe, being disingenuous and fake stop serving you. They were defense mechanisms, but after you're safe, you don't need them. There's nothing to hide from.
Fake people generally don't have an idea of who they are, and they're not really searching for that either. They're on survival mode. They're just thinking about how you can stay safe in a situation. How can you connect with other people in the situation? How can you avoid being ostracized? How can you avoid getting hurt? When you're being fake, you are trying to provide a value that you don't have. Let's look at gold and pyrite. Pyrite is also known as fool's gold. In this situation, gold is the standard. But fool's gold or pyrite looks like it. It's lustrous. It's shiny. But just because it looks like it doesn't mean it is. Pyrite is trying to provide value that only gold can provide. There are some fundamental differences between pyrite and gold. First of all, gold is more rare. Pyrite is everywhere. Gold is malleable. You can hammer that and turn it into rings, coins, gold bars. Pyrite is hard and brittle. You hit that with a hammer, it's gonna crack and break. Finally, gold won't rust. Gold will keep its form forever. There are treasure chests down at the bottom of the sea full of coins, full of crowns, full of gold bars that are there and will remain there in perfect pristine condition for years upon years upon years. They don't corrode, they don't rust. Guess what pyrite does? Yeah, it rusts. If I needed gold for the properties that make it special and I picked up pyrite, I'd be sorely disappointed because pyrite cannot provide value that it doesn't have. When you're being fake, you can try as you might to be that gold. You're always going to be that brittle, rusty, pyrite. By no means am I saying pyrite is useless. It has a purpose, it is important, and the purpose and importance is not that it looks like gold. It can do way more than imitate gold. You keep trying to bring the value that gold has, you'll never find out what pyrite can do. By the way, pyrite is widely regarded as a wealth and protection stone by many gem hobbyists. And for those of you who are interested in chemistry and science, pyrite can be used to make sulfuric acid. And I found it really cool that in the right conditions, it has been known to spontaneously combust. Now don't worry if you have some in your house, it's, it's not going to combust there. You need more oxidation and you need to also be in a mind with pressure. Don't worry about it. The point is, it has properties and capabilities that are unique to it. And just because it is looking like gold doesn't mean that it has to be treated that way. It has to function that way because it can't. Honestly, it just can't function that way. So it's best to just be the explosive piece of pyrite that it is. Hello, my name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm a recovering nice guy. I used to go out of my way to help my family. I'd say yes when I really meant no, and I tried to spare my friends' feelings by saying nice things all of the time. I thought that I was strengthening my relationships with them, but little did I know, I was ruining them. 
If this sounds like you, you might want to stop what you're doing right now. Go to my website at PatternsOfPossibility.com and pick up your guide of four ways your good intentions are ruining your relationships and what you can do about it. You know that your intention is pure. You want the best for your friends. You want the best for your family. And that's all you're trying to do. But the impact is what matters. And being too nice often leads to reluctance and resentment on both sides. That's the exact opposite of what you want. You're cheating yourself out of the closeness and connection that you want and deserve. To find out what you can do about it, go head over to my website at PatternsOfPossibility.com to pick up your copy today. People become disingenuous and fake. They develop it through habit. They develop it when they're really young, when they're in their formative stages, and they learn the behavior to survive. You've been in a position where you have not been affirmed by the people around you. The people around you aren't interested in what you do, what you say, or how you feel. And you've experienced this and internalized this over the years. And you have developed this idea that you must blend in whatever you think, whatever you feel. Put that aside because no one's interested in that. And just be like the people that are around you. Mimic them. Watch them. See what they do. Then you do that. Being fake and disingenuous are learned behaviors. Hooray! That means we can unlearn them or replace them with something new and different, a new pattern, a new possibility. They're meant to function as armor for when you go into social situations in which you're scared and you feel like you're going to be attacked. It allows you to get close to people without getting close. And that's the issue with it. The effect that it has on you is that you don't make that genuine connection. And the people that are around you, they don't know who you are for the most part because you don't know who you are. You're not sharing enough about you. You might be disingenuous to some people thinking that they're not interested in what you have to say, but you haven't given them the chance to tell you that because you don't know how to deal with that rejection. When you're living in the world in which you're prepared to be attacked all the time, everything is going to seem like it is an attack on you. Benign emotional encounters are going to devastate you. Here's a recent example of something that happened to me. Not too long ago, I decided that I was going to take stand-up classes. Eight weeks of fun and hanging out with people and learning comedy. That was going to be great. I've always wanted to do that. So I shared this with my coworker, and it turned out that he also had done some stand-up. He'd never taken any classes, but he got on stage and he shared some jokes with me, and we just kind of bonded over that comedy thing. So on the eighth week, the last week is graduation. I invited him to come to the graduation. And the graduation is uh, each of us perform the stand-up routine in front of a, a, a crowd of our friends and family. So I invited him to come along. And he said, no, that's not my thing. I just don't go out. And I was like, what you mean? What you talking about? I went out on the limb to invite you. I opened myself. I was vulnerable. And you're just going to say no? What? So I said, forget that. I'm going to invite my other friend. 
So I invited him and he was gung-ho about it. He was like, yay, you know what? I'll buy my ticket and everything. I'll see you there. It's going to be great. And it was. That's until I got up on the stage and I looked out in the audience. I didn't see my friend. I didn't see him there. I was disappointed. I reached out to him and he was like, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I thought it was the other day. You know, the days got mixed up. I, I, I'm so sorry about that. And I was just disappointed and sad. So I ended up having the recorded and I sent it to people to watch, to give me feedback, to say, hey, I did this thing and I want you to check it out. I sent it to the two people that I invited to the show, the one guy who said, no, I'm not going, and the one guy who said, yes, I'll be there, but didn't show up. And guess which one of those guys watched it and responded to me? The first guy. The guy who said he didn't want to go to the show. <gasps> what? No way! Some years ago, I would have been completely confused and baffled by this entire situation. Because when I heard him say no, if this was a few years ago, I would have heard, I hate you, and I don't know why you're talking to me. It would have turned into such an attack, but it wasn't. That's not what he said. That's not what he meant. That's not what he did. All he said was that he's not interested in going out. Other than that, Everything else was consistent. We talked about the comedy. We talked about it before. We talked about it afterward. It was just consistent. He just doesn't go out. It's not a rejection of me, my entire self, my entire body, my entire being, as I would have imagined that it was before. It's not. I wasn't being attacked, and there was no reason for me to have my guard up. You know what? You'd be a lot better off if you weren't walking around everywhere with all of that emotional armor. It's heavy, it's tedious, and it keeps you from getting close to people. You would be able to breathe a lot better if you just took that off, put it down, and never picked it up again. And I'm not saying that you need to go out there without any emotional protection. No, your best defense is resilience. Your best defense It's being able to maneuver through and around, over, under anything that comes at you emotionally. It's to be flexible, not to be rigid, not to be stuck in a suit. And how do you become resilient? Well, you practice. Confidence, direction, and resilience. Those three things in that order helped me become a more fulfilled, steady, and stable person. When you have confidence and you believe in yourself, you trust yourself, you are going to be okay when you start walking in any direction. When you have confidence, you'll know that the direction you're walking in is the right one for you. You're on your way. You are going to be challenged. You're going to find pitfalls. You're going to find issues, drama, trouble. You're going to find a lot of things that you need to be prepared for. You need resiliency. 
and you build that up when you encounter the things that are on your path. And that's the only way that you become resilient. At the top of the show, I said that I wanted to give you some tools that will empower you to help you with this issue. And I have that coming up for you in just a second. But before that, I just want to say that this is not something that is going to happen and change overnight. I hope that you understand that you're not going to wake up the next day and be confident about who you are and what you do and absolutely resilient. It takes some time. It takes practice. It takes action. And with this, we take small steps, like with anything that you're learning new, small calculated steps so that you get the technique And what I want to share today is small, but momentous. Nothing builds your confidence more than acknowledging that you have value, that you are good at something. And that's what I want to do. That's what, you know, I think it should be a challenge. I'm going to make it a challenge. I'm going to challenge you to post online anywhere in your social medias. You can tweet at me or uh, Instagram me, DM me, let me know what you're good at. And I want you to say specifically, let me give you an example. I, Lee Hopkins, I'm good at learning patterns. I'm good at drawing. I'm good at creating artwork. I'm good at solving puzzles. I want you to share with me at least one thing that you're good at. Just one thing. This is an exercise in changing your beliefs. Like I mentioned in the beat part one, you're going to take all of these thoughts and you're going to overwhelm your beliefs with them so that you can change your beliefs and then you'll change how you feel and you will change your actions. It's a domino effect. But the first thing is first is to get that domino, get that memento moving. So this is where we start with a bunch of little I'm good at, I'm good at, I'm good at hashtag I'm good at. And if you're having difficulty coming up with one thing, make something up. I will never know. I will never know. This is meant to help you know how amazing you are. Form that thought in your mind and push it out of your mouth so that you can hear it in your ears again. It's a complete loop. It's a reminder that you are valuable, you're worth something, and that you are amazing at at least one thing. At least one thing. I know there are several. And good is subjective. Good is your standard. And if you feel like you're bad at everything, great. We're going to shift that mindset just a little bit. Let's say you think that you're bad at saving money. Well, how about we change that to you're good at mismanaging money. It's about you being good at something. Whether it's something that may not serve you or what, it's up to you. If people tell you you complain all the time, say that you're good at complaining. And you know what? If you are one of those people who are good at complaining, I would love to have you advocate for me. If I had a bad meal, I want you to talk to the manager for me. If I wanted to return something after the 30-day return policy, I'd like you to come to the store with me and tell them how I need to have my money. Because... If you're good at complaining about something, I'm sure that you can make this manager so uncomfortable that they are not only going to give me my money back, but they're going to give me a credit for the next time I come into the store. If you're good at something, you're good at something. 
What are you good at? And I'm so curious to know what it is. You can find me at PatternsOfPossibility.com. You can find me at PatternsOfPossibility on Instagram and Twitter and those other things. But I don't really. You can find me on Instagram. Be on Instagram. Also, I want to be really clear that this is not a grateful challenge. I'm glad that you're grateful for things. But I'd rather hear about how you're good at things. You're good at being grateful? Fantastic. Be good at being grateful. But just tell me that you're good at something, not that you're grateful. You can save that for another challenge. Do this challenge with me. 30 days, every single day, say that you're good at something. Use the hashtag, I'm good at. If you're good at doing artwork and you want to say that you're good at doing artwork on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, fine. It's going to do nothing but reinforce that belief that idea, that fact, that truth, that you are good. You provide your own unique value. As for me, I'm going to be on Instagram every single day for the rest of the year. That's right, until 2021, I'm going to say every day, at least once, that I'm good at something. And I hope you'll join me. Use the hashtag, I'm good at. My name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. And you have been listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you found it interesting and insightful. And if you did, why not share it with a friend? It would also be a big help to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. If you want to connect with me, you can find me at PatternsOfPossibility.com or you can email me at the same address, PatternsOfPossibility at gmail.com. You can also find me on all the social medias, but I'm not really active on all the social medias except for Instagram, the most active on Instagram. Anyway, you can reach out to me and I will definitely check it out. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not meant to diagnose or treat any illness. If you are experiencing an emergency, contact your nearest medical center and tell them that you would have been there sooner if you hadn't been listening to this podcast. I'll see you next time. Until then, shine bright like a pyrite.